Good morning and welcome to Current Radio. It's Monday, January 1st. Today, we'll delve into how scientists have managed to destroy 99% of cancer cells in the lab using vibrating molecules, and we'll explore the claim that natural selection can actually slow evolution. Plus, we'll discuss Japan's efforts to boost Central Asian states' decarbonization initiatives and round up the top 10 ocean stories of 2023. All this coverage and more, up next. Welcome to Current Radio's Science Station. Please enjoy today's selection of science news. In the world of medical research, scientists are always looking for new ways to combat diseases. One such disease is cancer, and a recent breakthrough might have just opened up a new front in this battle. Charlotte, can you tell us more about this discovery? Absolutely, Diego. The research team from Rice University, Texas A&M University, and the University of Texas have discovered a new way to destroy cancer cells. They found that by stimulating aminocyanin molecules with near-infrared light, they can cause these molecules to vibrate in sync. The vibrations are so intense that they can break apart the membranes of cancer cells. That's fascinating. And what exactly are these aminocyanin molecules? Aminocyanin molecules are synthetic dyes already used in bioimaging. They're stable in water and are very good at attaching themselves to the outside of cells. They're commonly used in low doses to detect cancer. But this new research shows they can do much more than just detect cancer. So how does this new method compare to previous approaches? This new approach is a significant improvement over previous methods. The researchers have dubbed these new cancer-killing molecular machines molecular jackhammers. They're more than one million times faster in their mechanical motion than the former Faringa-type motors, and they can be activated with near-infrared light rather than visible light. This is crucial because near-infrared light can penetrate deeper into the body, potentially treating cancers in bones and organs without the need for surgery. That sounds promising. How effective has this new method been in tests? In lab tests on cultured cancer cells, the molecular jackhammer method had a 99% success rate at destroying the cells. It was also tested on mice with melanoma tumors, and half of the animals became cancer-free. It's still early days, but these initial findings are very promising. Indeed, that's very promising. And what's next for this research? The researchers are now looking at other types of molecules that can be used in a similar way. They're also highlighting that this is a different way to treat cancer, using mechanical forces at the molecular scale. It's a straightforward biomechanical technique that cancer cells would find hard to evolve a blockade against. The research has been published in Nature Chemistry. A fascinating development in the fight against cancer. Thanks for sharing, Charlotte. In a different vein, when we think about natural selection, we often consider how it drives change and diversity in species. Yet new research suggests that natural selection can also preserve similarities between populations. Charlotte, can you tell us more about this? Absolutely, Diego. This research, led by evolutionary biologist Jeff Connor from Michigan State University, flips the script on our traditional understanding of natural selection. While we often focus on the diversity that natural selection can bring about, Connor's team found that it can also maintain similarities. They worked with wild radish, a plant that has evolved to have two short and four long stamens. Interestingly, previous research suggested that natural selection maintains this length difference, known as anther separation, even though we don't know why. So, how did they go about testing this theory? They conducted an experiment over six generations, growing and measuring 3,437 wild radish plants. 
they used artificial selection to breed the radishes to restore their appearance to their more primitive state, which had a smaller gap between stamens. By doing this, they were able to reduce the difference in the lengths of the stamen by more than 30%. This suggests that the wild radish still has the genetic variation needed to evolve, and it's unlikely they are being constrained. Instead, natural selection appears to be maintaining the difference in their stamen lengths. That's fascinating. So natural selection isn't just about driving change, but also about maintaining certain traits. What's next for this research? The team plans to investigate whether the varying lengths of the stamens confer any benefit to the wild radish when it comes to the way pollinators interact with the plant. As Connor puts it, a lot of things people have thought selection couldn't do, we're learning selection can do. It's a reminder that our understanding of natural selection and evolution is still evolving. Indeed, it's a fascinating field that continues to surprise us. Thank you for your insights, Charlotte. On a global scale, Japan is making strides in its efforts to combat climate change, this time turning its attention to Central Asia. Charlotte, can you tell us more about Japan's recent initiative? Absolutely, Diego. Japan is planning to bolster decarbonization efforts in five Central Asian countries, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, and Uzbekistan. The Japanese government intends to sign a memorandum of cooperation with these countries and Japanese firms are set to help introduce renewable energy and energy-saving technologies in these nations. Why is Japan focusing on these particular countries? These countries are rich in natural resources, and they've been attracting attention from China and Russia. With the G7 countries also keen to boost ties with Central Asia, Japan is hoping to differentiate itself through its environmental technologies, where it's a recognized leader. The Japanese government is considering proposing the use of renewable energy, hydrogen, ammonia, and energy-saving technologies, as thermal power accounts for a high share of electricity generation in these nations. What are some of the specific projects that Japanese firms are undertaking in these countries? In Uzbekistan, Toyota Tsusho Corp. is expected to begin survey operations with the aim of introducing domestic wind power. Sojits Corp. plans to start construction work aimed at converting thermal energy plants into more efficient facilities. In Kazakhstan, Yokogawa Electric Corp. and Marubeni Corp plan to begin negotiations on energy-saving projects at refineries. There are also negotiations underway for efficient production of uranium, which is used as fuel for nuclear reactors. It's interesting to see how Japan is leveraging its technological expertise to help other countries reduce their carbon footprints. Thanks for the insights, Charlotte. Now, let's dive into the year 2023, which has been a significant one for our oceans, with major discoveries, international cooperation, and unfortunately, some tragedies. Charlotte, could you walk us through some of the major ocean stories of this year? Absolutely, Diego. One of the most alarming stories is the rise in ocean temperatures. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration reported that by late June, about 40% of the global ocean was experiencing marine heat waves. This has led to a host of problems, including coral bleaching and algal blooms. On a more positive note, there have been some fascinating discoveries. For instance, scientists found a thriving ecosystem beneath the ocean floor along the East Pacific Rise and a new contender for the world's heaviest animal, a gargantuan fossil named Perusetus colossus. That's fascinating. But there was also a tragic event involving a submersible, wasn't there? Yes, the Titan submersible, operated by OceanGate, imploded during a tourist voyage to see the wreck of the Titanic, killing all five passengers on board. This was a tragic reminder of the risks involved in deep-sea exploration. In other news, 
scientists at Northeastern University were inspired by octopuses to create a color-changing paint, and new research indicated that medieval Europeans may have contributed to the extinction of several whale species. And there were some significant developments on the international stage as well, right? Yes, over 70 countries, including the United States, signed the High Seas Treaty, aiming for protection, conservation, and equitable profit from the high seas. This is a huge step forward for ocean protection. On the other hand, decisions about deep-sea mining were delayed, raising concerns about the potential impact on ocean life and carbon sinks. It's clear that our oceans are facing numerous challenges, but also offering exciting discoveries. Thanks for the rundown, Charlotte. And with that, we conclude our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Current Radio, and we look forward to joining you again tomorrow.